Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 8 of The Teacher's Promise. Once again, I'm Brett Hansen, and I'm excited to guide another discussion celebrating, inspiring, and nurturing educators around the world by sharing some of the stories of extraordinary, dedicated, compassionate people just like you, and then exploring important ideas that will make us all better educators. This week, we will discuss one unique way to serve students wholeheartedly while living a very specific life. Karen Riddle runs her own private remediation practice, but because she's the teacher and the boss, she gets to decide how to serve her students compassionately. Her compassion and courage are an inspiration to any educator with a vision. Please join us again next week when I sit down in my living room with Tony Kishonas, who recently retired after 43 years serving students, their kids, and even their grandkids. As you can probably imagine, he gives all the credit for his nearly half a century to the example of other people, his father, and the selfless compassion of his wife. You won't want to miss this one. Well, welcome back to The Teacher's Promise. Uh, today, I'm very honored to have a, an extraordinary teacher as a guest. Uh, Karen Riddle has a very unique experience with public education, and um, it's an honor to have her on the show. She's going to tell you all kinds of cool things about different ways to teach and also different ways to care about students um, that fit with your own personal views and lifestyle. So welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we begin with the questions, Karen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I have my undergraduate degree in psychology, which I thought was really a fascinating topic. I really like learning about people and about how people learn and how they process information, how they relate to each other. I wanted to work with children who needed me. And so I went and got a master's degree in learning disabilities from Northwestern University. And I worked in, when I was at school, I worked in a remediation clinic and also a diagnostic clinic diagnosing children who have learning disabilities. When I graduated, I went to work in a public school in Illinois and really enjoyed my experience as a resource room teacher there. I also began a private practice working with students of all ages who had any kind of learning needs. And then I took a lot of time off in order to raise my own children. I have three children who I homeschooled from preschool. Um, a couple of them actually have a college degree that that was earned in a little bit of an alternate way. And then when my last child graduated from homeschooling, I went back to work doing private practice, working with students who have learning needs who are any age from five years old to adult. And that's what you do now, right? The that private is what practice. I'm doing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there are probably a lot of teachers who are uh, fascinated with the idea of you know, other methods, other ways. Can you get, tell us a little bit more about how somebody could start a private practice or would connect with people who are um, providing education to students, whether it's special education or different kind in a unique way? Well, the teachers that I know who work in the public and private schools will work with their classroom students, and sometimes teachers will offer summer tutoring for students who have academic needs that would warrant summer tutoring. So I know that a lot of teachers get into working with students that way. I have 
my education in learning disability specifically. And so what I have done is connected with schools and teachers to let them know that I am available for doing summer tutoring. And then many times the students will be making progress. And so the parents will want to continue the tutoring after school, even when they're coming back into into school. When I started my private practice in Illinois, it was just with my students who I was working with in the public school. But when I was, I live in Michigan now. And when I started my private practice here, I just reached out to school schools and teachers that I knew to let them know that that I was offering tutoring service for children who were in need of that. Yeah. So that's, do you have to have a special certification or can you just, I mean, you have, I know you're, you already said you were certified, but you do have to have some kind of special certification to work in this manner or can anybody as a certified teacher do it? Well, I'm not actually currently a certified teacher because I live in the state of Michigan and certification goes state by state. I was certified in the state of Illinois when I graduated from my master's degree and I was a certified teacher until I got pregnant and had my children, but then I let my certification lapse because we moved to Wisconsin and then I did work with students that were they came to me through a variety of means. I just put the word out and then students came. Most of the time, parents who are looking for a tutor for their students are not necessarily concerned with whether you're certified in that state or not. They, they want to know if you can relate to their child and if, they, if you know about methods for teaching them that would help them learn. That's what they care more about. Yeah, I, I love that too. I recently have been talking with other educators about the difference between experience and expertise. And you know, I'm not at all criticizing anybody with expertise. You have a great amount of it, like with certifications and things, but experience is extremely helpful. And in the state of Wisconsin, you know, you can teach without the kinds of certifications that I think may have been required in the past. But I'm glad to hear that um, you know, as long as you can show your competency and skills and you care for kids that there's an avenue. That's awesome. Um, so, and you said you homeschooled your children. Can you tell us a little bit about the benefits of homeschooling both for your kids and for you? It was such a wonderful experience for me to homeschool my children. I learned so much from the process of homeschooling. And I always tell moms and dads who are asking about homeschooling, teachers who are asking about homeschooling, that you really only need two things in order to homeschool. One is you need to care about your children and want to spend time with them. And the other is you need to be interested in learning. There were lots of areas that I felt that I had gaps in, in in terms of my education. For example, I never took physics as a high school student or a college student, but my son took physics and I learned physics at the time when he was taking physics. There also are lots of ways that you can get outside help if you feel that you want to go outside. You can sign your son up for a physics class if he is interested in physics and you want to find that. Especially in Michigan, where we live now, there are lots of homeschool cooperatives where you can sign up and take classes in in subject areas that you might feel that you're not equipped to teach. But most of the time, I just learned by doing. And I thought, I'm interested. I really like my children and I want to learn with them. And so that is how we learned. It was a wonderful way for me to tailor my children's education to their interest levels and also to 
help them with weakness areas. My, my son struggled a lot to learn to read. My daughter, my elder daughter, she learned to read almost by accident. She was so quick to pick up reading and she was not interested in the specific way that I wanted to teach her to read, which was phonics based sound patterns. And she didn't, she wasn't interested in learning those until she wanted to learn to spell. And then she was interested in sound patterns. But when she was first learning to read, she wanted to do it the way that she wanted to do it. I'm thankful that I was able to get out of the way so that she could learn where she was using her visual strengths in order to just do a whole word and, and learn what it said. So it was it was a very different experience for me to teach each of my children. All children just have different ways that they learn information well different interest levels and homeschooling really allowed me to tailor my children's education to their interests and their strengths and and to find creative ways to handle their weakness areas. Yeah. It seems like a a really obvious connection but I assume then that this experience in homeschooling influenced how you uh, teach students now. Is that that's, true? That's absolutely true but but it really was that I started working in private practice before my children were born. And I would say that first, my working with those individual students in a one-on-one -on -one situation impacted my homeschooling. And then my homeschooling further impacted. It just helped me develop my skills all the way along. I'm really thankful because I've been able to learn skills to help encourage and inspire and motivate and teach other people's children and then my children and now other people's children again. Yeah, that's a great cycle. I, I personally believe that, you know, education and teaching is a it's a two-way street in the sense that, you know, we become better people by serving other people's children, by loving all children. And then we become a better teacher um, because of the way we become a better person, especially if we have our own kids to apply these lessons to. So it sounds like you're a, a perfect model or a very good model of that. Can you can you tell us a little bit about um, uh, and so it's another seems like such an obvious question, but how compassion plays a part in this process and a little bit more the role of compassion in your life as a teacher or individual? I think that compassion is really the biggest part of my teaching. I think it's I think it's why children like coming and having lessons with me. I think it's why parents enjoy having me work with their children because I really care about their kids. Showing kindness and compassion to children helps them feel loved and understood. And when they feel loved and understood, they are more open to learning. I believe that it has a big impact on their brain and on their learning process to know that someone is rooting for them and someone is really trying to understand them. It is amazing to me to think about how when I am treated with compassion, I feel so much more comfortable and so much safer Personally, I am a Christian and I'm so thankful for the compassion that God shows me and has shown me every day of my life. I want to share that compassion with the students that I work with. I want them to know that I really understand how hard things are. I tell them stories about my struggles in learning that I have had. I tell them stories about my children's struggles in learning, and it really helps them feel like, oh, she knows how hard this is. She knows what I'm going through. And I think that helps students open up to me and be in a better place mentally, emotionally, intellectually to learn. 
Yeah. And can you say a little bit more about that struggle? I know, um, I mean, I, I personally believe that struggle is essential and it, it sounds like, you know, you, you, your children have done very well in school and in and, and college now and are on to high academic goals, but that, you know, they struggled, everybody struggles. How, how do you use struggle to help kids grow? You know, it's really interesting because my, my specialized area is learning disabilities, children who are intelligent but are having trouble processing information in certain ways. And there's a gap between what they can do intellectually and what they are doing academically. And that gap is very painful. The truth is we're all gappy. We all have strengths and weaknesses. I have a lot of strengths verbally in my intelligence, but spatially I'm pretty weak. And so everyone has a little bit of a gap. We tend to prefer the things that we do well. It makes us want to work on the things that we do well and makes us not want to work on the things that we don't do well. But I agree with you completely that that struggle is really important. And this is what I tell children who are struggling, that even though they might not care about the specific thing that they are learning, a specific subject matter like math, so many times in math, a student will say, when will I ever use this? And I'll say, you may not ever use this again, but this work that you are doing right now is exercising your brain. It's helping you think better. And you will use that every day for the rest of your life. Helping students understand that there is a benefit from the struggle, that they need to work hard and that that work hard is going to produce more perseverance and diligence in their lives. And that's going to impact them in every area. It helps kids to feel motivated. It helps them to feel willing to go through the arduous tasks of learning. Yeah, without a doubt, struggling leads to um, more persistence and strength. I have a class I teach called the Five Points, and the five one of the five points is work. And there are these excellent habits I try to get my students to memorize. And one of them is, you know, it's good to grow your strengths, but always, always work on your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's really important that that kids learn that, and struggle is a natural part of it. And if we can teach them to navigate struggle compassionately, we can show them that it can be done, you know, with kindness and, and little bits of success and little bits of growth um, that, you know, that's a, that's a win-win for everybody. That's great. I think hearing that other people who have struggled have been able to overcome their struggles is extremely encouraging. That's why there's so many movies about sports and someone who, you know, endured very difficult circumstances, but overcame our it's so inspiring to hear a story like that. I think that that children are encouraged and, and also mothers. I, I work with a lot of mothers who are very encouraged to hear about the struggles that my children have been through and how they have overcome those struggles. Yeah. And one of the big reasons why they have and have overcome them so well is because of the compassion that you show them. And, you know, if we can bring a little bit more of that parental compassion to our students, yeah, you know, I'm not suggesting that people love their students the same way they love their own children, but as if they were their own children. And that's really a wonderful goal. Mm -hmm. 
So um, I remember when I was first teaching, one of the moms that I worked with in the in the public school, she said to me, "Oh, Karen, if you love my kid this much, just wait until you see how much you love your own kids." And she was absolutely right. I I do really love my own kids, but I'm I'm thankful. I feel that God has given me a special love for children and and also a patience for them. And I think patience is very important for teachers. And one thing that really helps us to be more patient as teachers is to put ourselves in the child's shoes, in the student's shoes, the more we understand the struggle that they are going through through. And this is particularly true with children who struggle academically. Oftentimes they decide right away, I can't succeed at this, so I'm going to be disruptive or I'm going to not focus on this or I'm not going to work very hard at it because they feel like they have failed and they can't succeed in that way. If we understand why a child is behaving the way he or she is, or if we understand why something is so difficult for a child, it makes it much easier to be patient. Yeah, another guest that recently had on uh, the show talked about the, he, he called it, the, the advice he gave to other teachers was focus on your why. And that knowing why is really important. It doesn't have to be the same why as other people, but if you know your own why, um, it helps for growth enormously. Yeah. So um, it's clear to everyone who pays attention to the news or anything with education nationwide that we have a a, a big problem with teachers not coming into the profession and people leaving the profession. Why do you think people should choose to become educators today? I think there is a great need for teachers to be encouraging students and helping them to learn and grow. And I think that it's not just that we are needed, it's that we as people need to be mentoring others. There's a lot of motivation and encouragement that comes into my life from the encouraging that I am striving to do with my students and watching them experience success is very encouraging for me. It helps me grow as a teacher, grow as a human being, and it is incredibly rewarding to work with students, especially ones who struggle and then overcome a struggle. I think that teaching is an outstanding profession to be a part of, and it's, it's an honor for me to serve in that way. But the more I think of it as a service that I am giving, that I am also served by because I grow so much through it, the, the more I'm motivated to do it. Yeah. It's, we have very similar thoughts, just slightly different language. I, I consider teaching and education now I do to be the noblest profession. Um, in, in my, in my book, I talk about the struggles I went through big struggles, you know, about 10 years ago after act 10 was passed here in Wisconsin and I, I almost got out, but now I sincerely believe that we grow enormously as human beings. And I think it improves and, and expands our souls. And so I'm, I'm excited to hear somebody else say very similar things with just slightly different words. So that's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. So um, you said that uh, you, you know, your kids struggled some and they're homeschooled. Did you use a lot of like um, homeschool classes or did you use MOOCs? How, how did you get them into the challenging courses that they needed as they got older and, and built skills and confidence? We 
used the library so much in our homeschool. We were very blessed by terrific library systems. And I was definitely a homeschool on a budget, <laughs> kind of a homeschool mom out of, out of necessity. And I'm so thankful that I was able to find so many resources to use with my kids. We, we didn't take classes that were go to classes in person almost ever through our homeschooling. We homeschooled at home, but we used we used the computer a lot. And my son, when he was in high school, he was very interested in MOOCs, those massive um, open online courses. And he, we were able to, for free, use those classes and resources like Khan Academy in order to help us learn higher level information. I also used textbooks that I got either through the library or for $2.10 used. And we were able to make use of a number of print materials and online materials in order to learn. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Can you think of like the most memorable or kindest educator in your life from back when you were in school? You know, when you asked me that question earlier, I don't have... I don't have a memory of uh, one teacher that I that I thought was outstandingly kind from when I was a student. I know that I really enjoyed classes more when I felt that the teacher cared. That that was one thing that stood out is that when I felt that the teacher cared about me, I was much more eager in that learning environment and it was more discouraging if I felt like the the teacher didn't care one way or another about me. The, I remember thinking that teachers who cared were the ones that I wanted to um, work with. And I was so thankful to be able to have teachers who cared. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, so obviously you had some teachers that really cared because you did really well. You're very bright and smart. And that's, uh, that's awesome. So can you share with us any kind of funny or heartwarming moments um, from your experience in education? Well, one thing that was really interesting is that my son is just a new medical student this year, and he really struggled a lot to learn to read. It was very difficult for him to learn to read, and it wasn't always pleasant for him to be struggling. I'm glad that he felt safe with with mom to be able to express his feelings, but sometimes he was really agitated and upset because he wasn't doing well. And for the last six months before he went to medical school, he was working as a one-to-one behavior technician with children who had autism. And he was working with a boy. And one of the goals that they had was for him to practice his reading. And one day on the way home from work, my son called and said, mom, this child is really challenging me and it's harder to work with people who are resistant and not wanting to do it and he said thank you so much for all your patience with me over the years and trying to help me learn so that was very encouraging for me to hear him say that yeah and encouraging for all of us too to to try to keep that in mind um so i'm glad that that he was able to um learn that and share some of that with this uh, young autistic student so um, what's new for you? What's in your future? What do you got coming up? What are you excited about? Anything you want to share with our listeners? 
I am really excited because I keep getting new students to work with. I really enjoy working with my new students. Lately, I have had a lot of teenage boys that I have been working with, middle school students and high school students who I'm trying to encourage. And it's been very nice for me to be able to tell them about about my son's struggles and how he overcame them. I feel that it's not an accident who I am working with, that God brings me the students that I have. And it's wonderful to have used my experiences in trying to motivate my son and help him to learn. He's very different from me. And this is a point that I think is interesting. We need to find what motivates kids and what helps them to want to strive. If you tell me that I have a really big test coming up and that you want me to study hard for it, but it's it's going to be okay if I don't do as well as I want to. If you reassure me that I'll be able to take the test again or that I'll be able to get the information a different way, then I feel more comfortable. I feel safe. That motivates me to want to work hard. But for some students, and particularly my son and some of the students that I'm working with now, they have told me, if you tell me it's okay if you don't do that well, that makes me feel like I don't have to work. I don't want you to tell me that, they say. I want you to tell me, you've got this. You can do this. And so it's interesting to think that when we are trying to motivate and encourage others, we don't want to motivate and encourage them the way we are motivated and encouraged. We want to find what motivates and encourages them and then give them that feedback so that they can be motivated and encouraged. I've learned a lot about that. And it's it's good for me to, to be adjusting my toughness levels so that it matches this, the student and what the student needs at that time. So I feel very excited about the students that I work with. I feel that I learn new things every day from working with them, and I really enjoy doing that. That's great. I'm glad they have you, and um, it sounds like your son and your daughters benefited from a wonderful teacher, and uh, it's uh, it's great to hear that there are other avenues for educators to um, work than only the traditional mainstream uh, main school method. So um, this is, of course, once again, the best part of the show for me when I get to thank the educator. So Karen, thank you for being on the show. But more importantly, thank you very much for refining your clarity and understanding about what kids need and for developing more and more depth over the years whether in a public school, homeschooling your own children, or mentoring and tutoring with your own private practice. Um, thank you for really staying in the struggle and helping other students grow. And I'm also glad that you recognized your growth as a result, because I really do believe that we grow as they grow. And the, the patience that you obviously share with your students is um, as clear as can be simply from your explanations and how much you enjoy it. I think that's a lesson for all of us. And thank you very much for working with all these students who need your help. Special education is an essential part of our education process and dire need of talented, hardworking, dedicated people. So I'm really glad that your students have you. And thank you for searching for those student motivations and reminding us how important that is. You're an extraordinary educator. And uh, just thank you for staying in the profession in a way that works for you. Thank you very much. I'm so honored to be a teacher. It really is a gift to me to be able to teach. And I feel that my students give me at least as much as I give them, if not more. So I'm really uh, grateful to be able to be a teacher.
Yeah, sounds like a good balance. I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us and accepting the truth that all children are our children, at least for educators, and that all these kids coming in and out of our classrooms and up and down the halls deserve our intelligent compassion. If you haven't already, please consider sharing this podcast and my website with other people. The real goal is to create as much community as possible, and that only happens through sharing. Once again, I'm not very good at social media, so I'll take any help I can get. So let people know, and we can work together to bring respect to this noble profession. Finally, always remember that you must take care of yourself in order to take care of others. So if you haven't, consider joining the Teacher's Promise Facebook group. It really is there to create support, build community, and allow teachers to share in smaller bits. Until next time.